Hey there, I'm Julie, and this is the Married to Addiction podcast. If you're here, then you're probably what I call my secret sister. We're in a situation we never asked to be in and fighting a battle we never wanted to fight. We're faith-filled women who are married to an alcoholic, and it affects every inch of our lives. If that sounds like you, then this is a safe place for you to land. Married to Addiction is a faith-based podcast where I help you find the tools and strength you need to navigate your husband's addiction without losing yourself in the process. So please subscribe and tune in as often as you can, because your husband's recovery is important, but so is yours. Hey there, before we get started today, I just wanted to make sure that you knew about the Secret Sister Circle. That is a membership that I created to basically take the exhausted wife of an alcoholic from just sitting around wishing things would change, praying things would change, hoping things would change, to actually knowing what to do to find some stability and peace and happiness again. So I started this back in July, I believe, and we have covered a lot of ground since then. So I just wanted to go over real quickly with you just some of the topics that we've covered in there so you can kind of get an idea of um, what we talk about and if these are some things that maybe you could actually use. So we talked about, we started out with talking about some common pitfalls that wives of alcoholics fall into and how to overcome those. We talked about the all important taking thoughts captive and we really dove deep into exactly how to do that and how it can really just improve everything in your situation. We've talked about codependency, understanding alcoholism, uh, boundaries, effective communication with an addicted spouse. Um, We have also covered a lot of spiritual ground, like how to really embrace and uh, implement a meaningful quiet time with the Lord into your life, how to deepen your relationship with God. We did a study on that. We did a study on trusting in God. We did a study on how to hear from God. Um, we talked, we've talked about self-care for wives of alcoholics and what that looks like and exactly how to implement that. Uh, we've done a self-worth study, just so, just covered so many great things in there. And all of the material is presented to you in a way that is easy to consume, but also it gives you a lot of assistance in actually knowing how to implement this stuff into your life. Because I'm sure you've heard me say before, knowing is one thing, but doing is everything. So that is the Secret Sisters membership in a nutshell. I would absolutely love to have you join me there. It is super powerful um, and just there's some great life-changing stuff going on in there. You can find out more about it by going to my website, marriedtoaddiction.com, and just clicking on the tab that says uh, membership. I believe it's under the Get Help tab or drop down rather, and you'll see it there, Secret Sisters membership. So please go check it out. I would absolutely love to have you there with us. Hello, and welcome to episode 29 of the Married to Addiction podcast. Today's episode is entitled, Is Addiction a Disease? And we touched on this a little bit um, back in the episode where we talked about the myth of choice. But today I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into this topic because it's a really important one. And I want to kind of pull in a few different sources. So I'm going to be reading from a few different Um, articles and books and different things that uh, I have found. We're going to just kind of talk about why or how it is a disease in what way. And then we're going to delve into what do we do with that information? Once we know it, what do we do with it? And how does that change things? Because I think it really is um, a huge game changer, honestly. It was a huge game changer for me. I was first uh, presented with this idea when my husband was in rehab. And we had a family week, and I was absolutely floored at that family week when they started talking about 
uh, addiction as a disease because as many of us do, I thought there was a whole lot more choice involved than there is um, and, and it affected how I interacted with my husband and how I approached his addiction and how I thought about his addiction and how I thought about his re- our relationship because I thought that it was, you know, way more personal than it actually is because I thought he was choosing it and all of those things. So this is a really, really important thing to talk about. Uh, you may have heard me say before that the Lord has not only put wives of alcoholics on my heart, but also uh, the alcoholic as well and some of the things that they're going through. Because having been through this with my husband, I learned some things that I had no idea about. Uh, there are a lot of huge misconceptions around what alcoholics deal with and you know what is at the root of what the issue is. It's way different and way deeper than what we see on the surface. So the first thing I want to do is go to an article that I found on drugfree.org, and it is titled, Is Addiction a Disease? And I wanted to just read this part to you real quick. It says, addiction is defined as a disease by most medical associations, including the American Medical Association and the American Society of Addiction Medicine. Like diabetes, cancer, and heart disease, addiction is caused by a combination of behavioral, psychological, environmental and biological factors. Genetic risk factors account for about half of the likelihood that an individual will develop addiction. Addiction involves changes in the functioning of the brain and body due to persistent use of nicotine, alcohol, or other substances. The consequences of untreated addiction often include other physical and mental health disorders that require medical attention. If left untreated over time, addiction becomes more severe, disabling, and life-threatening. My husband definitely was disabled by his addiction. Uh, His life was threatened by his addiction in more ways than one. It is a disease. It is insidious. It is not something that somebody just continues to decide to do. In most cases, these men are as miserable as we are. So don't you think that if they could just set it down, they would? It's way bigger than that. So that's the first thing that I wanted you to know. Why are we so resistant to this idea? We get mad about how this affects us. We get so mad about how this affects us. We get so mad about, you know, his drinking and everything that surrounds that in every way that it affects our lives. But if our loved one had another disease that affected us, like say they were on dialysis and we had increased responsibility because we had to take them to dialysis once a week, you know, drive them there, wait with them, whatever. Um, We also have increased responsibility sometimes when our husband is addicted, right? Uh, Or maybe we can't do the things we used to do because our loved one uh, has a disease or or was in an accident or whatever, and they have a mobility issue. Um, We respond with empathy in that situation, but when we can't do things we used to be able to do because our husband is addicted, we, we respond with anger and resentment. The important thing to remember here is that addiction changes someone's brain, So it makes sense that their actions and their personality is going to be affected as well. It is something that is happening to their brain. It's changing their brain. And so, of course, it's changing the way that they do things, the way that they act, you know, who they are sometimes. Uh, That's why it, it begins to feel personal, though, because even though the person doesn't have full control over this, we are 
being affected by their actions and their personality, and we don't necessarily see or know that those changes are coming from you know, psychological changes in their brain. We think that they're just being a jerk because they're drunk, right? Or they're just being a jerk because they keep getting drunk or whatever the case is. So when somebody has, say somebody has like Alzheimer's or dementia or whatever it is, that has been known to cause irritability. Um, a lot of times people who have that disease, those diseases can become very belligerent and irritable. They're hard to be around. They're hard to have a relationship with. They're hard to you know, have any sort of empathy for. And sometimes you just feel like, oh my gosh, they're driving me crazy. Like I don't even want to be around them. But we still are and we still do because we realize that personality change is part of those diseases. We accept the fact that personality change is part of those diseases. So even when it's hard, we still give them more empathy because we understand that they are being affected by something else, right? When we stay under the impression that somebody is choosing to drink instead of understanding that this is something that's happening to them as a disease, it sets up so much resentment and anger in us. We do not understand why they are making the choice to destroy our family. They are making the choice to destroy themselves. Why do you love alcohol more than me? Why do you love alcohol more than your kids? Why can't you just stop? Those are, those are really hard things for an addict to hear because, like I said, if it was that easy, my husband tried to take his life twice because of the guilt and the shame that he felt around what our family was going through. He's a great husband. He's an amazing dad. He would never have wanted to hurt us. And it hurt him so deeply that he was, that he, and he realized that he couldn't fix it on his own that he would, would rather just have taken himself out of this world because he literally thought that we would be better off without him. How sad is that? So what I want you to remember is when you act like they're choosing and it's setting up this resentment and anger, it makes them feel hopeless too. They feel hopeless too. And, you know, that in turn can make their need for alcohol feel even stronger because, you know, they're they're so just distraught about what's happening in their life and with their family and their marriage. Maybe their job is in danger. Maybe they already lost their job. Maybe they're in legal trouble. All of these things, like they're they're feeling hurt by all of that too. And when we just kind of pile on by telling them that they need to make a different choice, it's really unfair because you know what? They're not trying to hurt us. Now, there are some who, you know, have personality disorders that are over and above just alcohol, like they had had this issue before alcohol entered the picture. But in a lot of cases, in the case of my husband as well, he wasn't trying to hurt me. He was in bondage. He was in absolute bondage. I wanted to read something to you real quickly also that I found um, somebody who is in recovery now. And they said, I tried and failed so many times. A family member finally reacted with grace. They meant to get sober, of course. Um, a family member reacted finally with grace and empathy instead of anger and frustration the last time I slept up. And that's what did it for me. I finally realized what damage I was doing and what I was jeopardizing every time I drank. So I stopped. So 
just like having the anger and the bitterness and the the blame and all of those things can can hurt in these cases a little empathy goes a really long way so that's the second part of this episode that I wanted to talk to you about and and let me say right now I understand that this is not easy when you are in the middle of a household where there is somebody who is acting you know just annoying and irritating and irritable and incoherent and just is not able to help with things and there's just a myriad of things that we deal with being married to a wife of an alcoholic the last thing on your mind a lot of times is empathy or mercy and i understand but we really really need to be intentional about partnering with god to help us develop a bit more of a merciful merciful forgiving attitude towards them because like i said this is a disease this is something where they are in bondage it's sad it's really sad if you think about it they are hurting too another reminder is you know we don't always deserve god's goodness and mercy we don't always deserve his forgiveness but he gives it to us anyway and he expects us to do the same for others so of course we're coming at this from human understanding and human emotions and all of that but it is it can be so healing for both you and your husband to really try to practice this and you have one thousand percent got to lean on the lord for this one thousand percent because guess where a godlike mercy and forgiveness can come from when you are living with an alcoholic husband it comes from the lord and he can impart that upon you and you can pray for it and you can tell him i need more of that give me more of that and he will so there's a couple of things that i wanted to read uh, regarding what the bible has to say about this and it doesn't specifically say an alcoholic family member but guess what it doesn't specifically say that those people are excluded from these verses either from the, the scripture so they're included it doesn't say you know you have to do this except for if your family member is an alcoholic or except if your husband is an alcoholic then you know we get it that's hard don't you know you don't have to do this it doesn't say that friend it doesn't here's what it says in first timothy 5 8 and this is the message translation i love the way this reads anyone who neglects to care for family members in need repudiates the faith that's worse than refusing to believe in the first place ouch that one stings a little bit i know but like i said it doesn't say anyone who, who neglects to care for family members in need unless that family member is in need because they're an alcoholic because that's different it doesn't say that so let's talk about how acceptance of the fact that alcohol is a disease can change everything we touched on it a little bit um, i read to you what that what the person in recovery said about how it changed everything for them it, it was the difference maker for them and that's because acceptance and understanding of alcohol as a disease breeds empathy and mercy continuing to believe it's personal breeds anger and resentment which of those two things do you think is more conducive to someone's recovery an environment of hostility and anger and resentment 
or an environment where somebody shows you empathy and mercy. And, you know, do I think you're going to be able to walk around your house all the time and deal with your alcoholic husband all the time with empathy and mercy? Probably not. We're human. We have our moments. We have our triggers. You know, we, we have some emotions we have to deal with. But it little can go a long way. And what I have found is once you feed that instead of feeding anger and resentment, it grows just like anger and resentment grows. How many times have you had a thought and it started as just like, oh my gosh, that's so annoying. And then it's like, you know why it's so annoying? Because such and so, such and so. And oh my gosh, that reminds me, you know what else is annoying? And because that's annoying, this is also, you know, you just like, it just runs away with you. And pretty soon, if you're like me, like your heart's racing and you're like sweating and you're mad because you can, you're feeding that. But if you are intentional about feeding empathy and mercy and trying to have understanding around addiction as a disease, that can make all the difference in the world. I want to read you something else from 1 Timothy. Um, well, it's, it's, for, it's about 1 Timothy 5.8. This was from my Bible. I have um, the Bible that has commentary by Joyce Meyer, and it is great. And this was one of the little blurbs that she wrote in there that I thought could also pertain to what we're going through. 1 Timothy 5.8 teaches us that we have a responsibility to care for our families. We have a duty not only to care for our spouses and our children, but if we have elderly parents or grandparents, we need to, to provide for them as well. This is a duty for us to perform whether we feel like it or not. Whether we feel like it or not. You may have dependent elderly parents who never really took proper care of you. They may have even abused you. Is it really your duty to take care of them now? Yes, it is. If you can't do it for them, do it for God. As you do, you will demonstrate the kind of fruit that accompanies obedient faith. If you cannot find it in your heart right now to have mercy and empathy towards your husband, do it for God. Because it says right there, right after, as you do, you will demonstrate the kind of fruit that accompanies obedient faith. So there's a second part to that. You do your part, God will do his part, right? So what can we actually do to keep our heads and our hearts in the right place when it comes to our husband's addiction? We can work on acceptance of addiction as a disease. That's the bottom line. Um, it helps us to understand what our husband is, is going through, and it just really sheds a whole new light on what he's dealing with. So I encourage you to do some research on that. There are a lot of great alcohol uh, uh, um, websites out there about alcoholism and addiction as a disease. All you have to do is Google that and there'll be a plethora of things that come up. What else can we do? We can, of course, let God deal with what's going on with our husband, which we've talked about a billion times. And in the meantime, we can change things on, quote unquote, our side of the street to make things easier for us. So I know you've heard me talk about there are changes you can make. There are things you can do. You know, so many people say there's nothing you can do. There are things you can do. 100% there are things you can do. There are a lot of things you can do, actually, to make it easier for you while you're going through this. Need some help with that? Secret Sister Circle is there for you. That is completely what we talk about, what we do there, what we work on, what we implement. It can be life-changing. I would love to have you in there. I know you've heard me talk about it before, but um, I'm not going to go into too many details. You can get a lot more information on the website, marytoaddiction.com. Go to the Get Help 
uh, drop down and you will see the Secret Sister Circle membership there. But that is 100% what we do there. Work on our side of the street to make life easier for us. I want to leave you with Isaiah 58, 6 through 11. This is so powerful. Oh my gosh. When I found this, and it's so funny. God, of course, always knows like what I'm thinking of talking about on this podcast. And even in the Secret Sister Circle, there's so I get so many like what I call God downloads for, for there and for here. Uh, but this just happened to be my reading, uh, one of my readings today as I prepared for this podcast. And um, it was perfect. So I want to leave you with this. Isaiah 58, 6, 11. No, this is not. No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then... Your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will reply quickly. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing the finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. And then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. I hope this has been helpful for you. As always, thanks so much for listening, and I will see you next time. Quick question for you before I let you go today. Have you been to the Married to Addiction website? If you haven't, I would love if you would go pay it a visit. It's just marriedtoaddiction.com. And over there, you can see um, just a lot of different information about my podcast. There is a blog on there. There's some free resources for you. And there's also a few ways that you can actually get some help if you need a little more help and direction and support as you travel this difficult path with your addicted husband. So if you haven't yet, please go visit marriedtoaddiction.com. Thanks so much.